You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Charles Atlas. Charles, thanks so much for being with me today. Hi. Charles, I want to talk about the show at Luring Augustine uh, that just came down, A Prune Twin. We're talking on March 23rd, of course. And... Um, and it was, you know, a, you know, kind of fantastic installation that was, of course, uh, also a collaboration. And rather than jumping into that uh, first, I'd, I'd love to talk about uh, your earlier, your earlier work, your uh, also pioneering work with um, Merce Cunningham. Can you tell me a little bit about how that collaboration started? I'm, I want to talk about that because it, it seems to be so influential to your to your work. Yeah, it was very influential, my years with MERS. Um, I started um, as uh, a stage manager. Well, I started as assistant stage manager with MERS. And um, eventually when he started, I was already making Super 8 films. And I made one 16 millimeter. No, I hadn't done a film yet. Um, And uh, he invited me to collaborate with him. He saw some of my work and he wanted to in, start working in in media. So uh, we wanted to work in um, video. So I'd never done video, but I got learned it from a book and then I taught it to him. And then uh, I was in my early 20s and we collaborated on over the 10 years that I was filmmaker in residence at the Cunningham, with the Cunningham Company, um, we made 10 pieces together, collaborated. And, um, you know, there was this sort of a division of labor. Um, you know, I did the video part and he did the dance part. Um, and so, and, and so this and was... The, the, and, and the so, fact, yeah, the fact sorry, that it was an open collaboration with no... With no um, preconditions or anything um, transferred over to how I work with other other people, other collaborators. So, I mean, it's start, Merce, um, I always say that Merce is the gold standard of collaborators, and I started there at the top, and so it, it definitely influenced me. So let's talk about what that open collaboration means, because you know, there's collaboration means different things to different people, right? There's a, a film collaboration where, you know, uh, there's responsibility for the editor, for for all the different elements and, and all the different people within the production. But that's quite different than the kind of open collaboration you're talking about, isn't well, that where I mean, there isn't well, a specific I, agenda? Know, I, in the seven, started in the seventies, and then that there was a a movement in, in independent filmmaking of people taking back the uh, all of the elements. Of, so it was a reaction against the division of labor in filmmaking. So I, I did the I did filming, editing, everything involved in making the film. The way the collaborations usually worked is we would have a discussion after after the initial ones. We'd have a discussion at a certain point about what we're thinking. I would have maybe a, a video idea that I wanted to explore. Um, like, for instance, the first time 
and uh, we did a, the first three collaborations we did, we did with cameras um, on tripods. And when we first started working with uh, moving cameras, handheld moving cameras or Steadicam cameras, that was sort of the topic that we wanted to explore is how to work with moving cameras and, and dancers. And, and um, so that became uh, the basis for a piece that we did called Locale. And, um, well, it was just, you know, the way that Merce worked with uh, all the other elements. I mean, the, the musician for a piece would just be given the length of time of a piece, and he did whatever he was going to do, and they never worked together until the opening performance. Does that make sense? That does make sense, and it's exciting to hear that's that's such an unusual uh, way of collaborating, right? That's that's a way that seems uh, well, I, mean, I don't know if proprietary is the right word, but yeah. Merce has worked with Bob Rauschenberg and Jasper Johns that way, and so he had uh, success in, in in giving giving the artists free reign. He would get the best out of them. So and, I mean, and, I, and, but almost all of my other collaborations have been like that. And um, and so you know that's that's you know the beginning of that process for you was there a point in your in, in working for Merce when you began making your own work and and use that model of collaboration? Can you can you think of the first time well, I mean, you in, thought in I'm going to use this? Model? I, in '83, I I worked with a company from. 69, actually, but I was filmmaker in residence for like 10 years from 73 to 83. And in that, I made 10 pieces. And it was after that that I began collaborating with other people. And that, you know, that um, I couldn't really go through all the steps that I went through with Merce, where we both learned about this together. So in the uh, subsequent collaborations, I really um, took on more responsibility, <laughs> as it were. Right, and and so in your in your own work, partly what's what's happening with Merce besides the collaboration is is dance, right? You're you're being influenced and exposed well, I was, to. I've worked with a, a bunch of other choreographers, um, and mostly people who were in the Merce. Um, Sphere. I mean, I worked with Douglas Dunn. I worked with Carol Armitage. Um, and I worked with Michael Clark. Um, and uh, but my collaboration. And then I came back and worked with Merce again in '99. And and let's talk about that. What happened in in '99? That that was uh, that must have been a very different kind of experience. Yes, a producer. Um, uh, approached me from France and said, would you like to make a, a documentary about the life and work of Merce Cunningham? And I said, I um, I hadn't worked with Merce for like 15 years at that point. And I said, yeah, I, I, well, I said, I'm not sure whether I want to or not. <laughs> uh, and she told me who else they were considering and I felt like I had to because I really know Mercy's work well, and I didn't like the people that they were considering. I didn't think they would do a good job. So I uh, I said yes, and then Merce uh, was approached, and he said, I'm not sure 
Charlie wants to work, wants to do this. And um, anyway, we we ended up meeting, and it was like no time had passed. We just continued our collaboration. And and for I mean, you, that that that, that launched, you know, uh, your your work, which was going on before then and after then, and um, and and before we, you know, jump into the to the show. Um, your work was developing over this time and, and of course, investigating things that were specific to you. Um, can you talk about some of the antecedents that that kind of led to the show um, at Luring Well, Augustine? I mean, I started working with Michael Clark in 1985. I met him through Carol Armitage uh, and we were working on a piece together and he... Um, he was uh, a dancer in two of my pieces before I made a, the first piece with Michael directly. And when he, I made a piece with him directly, he was like uh, 21 years old. So it was a very different kind of collaboration. He, he really didn't know much, uh, and, and he was quite young, so I sort of took charge and did everything that I knew how to do to make a, a piece with a dancer. But at that point, I'd worked with um, other dancers in other ways, and um, and it's hard to be really um, precise about how everything went. I, I don't know how to how to tell you that. Well, working with dancers is is unusual, right? This isn't we, we don't see this collaboration a lot in the visual arts, you know, and you know throughout throughout history. We can cite all kinds of examples, but um, but often. Disciplines like that, unfortunately, don't meet, right? Uh, visual artists aren't often working with theater directors, though sometimes they are, or with dance, or with, you know, all kinds of other forms, musicians, well, and orchestras. I, I, I work with, with, you know, performance art, with musicians, with, um, and always with this in the same, same spirit, anyway. Um, I, I felt like my my job as a as a media maker was really to work with live three dimensional work and making it make it um, vivid in two dimensions as as a film. And so let's let's talk about um, Twin because this is um, was its was its debut in the States, but of course it had been exhibited before. In, in terms of exhibiting at, uh, at Luring Augustine, installing it there, uh, was there, what was the difference, what was the challenge in putting it in a space like that? Because I would imagine it, it well, reads a little differently the, depending the first, on where you set the up. The first space it was in was a really big space in London, the Barbican Gallery, and, um, and it was nine channels. And, and the original installation, and uh, I couldn't fit nine channels into Blowing Augustine Gallery, and it was all in one big, big room with a lot of architectural details. So I worked. The screens were hung in such a way that they, and it was a very high ceiling, so it was a very different um, kind of installation. So I redesigned it for the for the Blowing Augustine Gallery. In fact, it had been shown, after it was shown in London, it was shown in Dundee in another really big space without any columns. So I had, like, two experiences 
installing it before, but I the in, install in London I had to do over Zoom with two uh, computers and an iPhone, so that wasn't I never really saw the piece. And the same thing with um, with Dundee because of COVID, I never I never made the trip to England. So this is the first chance I ever had to see it was really in during harvesting. That's that's um that's exciting and and I, I I never knew about the piece where you're working with over Zoom with a phone. Um, you know the pandemic, uh, you know, created so many kind of odd hybrids. Uh, how how did that work for you? Because as you're saying, then you yeah, didn't really, actually really, see it. But... I mean, I I when the I was really near the the hot spot of of the initial appearance in Italy of the of the COVID, and I was doing a show in Milan and a gal in a museum. I installed two floors of a museum, and we heard about the COVID outbreak nearby, and they got me out of there after I, luckily after I'd installed the whole piece, they got me out of there right away. And, um, but then the piece never opened. So, um, so uh, actually the COVID period really sort of set, set down my momentum about making work because I've been, Usually working on two things at a time, but so it really slowed me down. So, and uh, yeah, and no, go go on about that. So it slowed you down, and it was also odd that this whole thing was installed and not seen. You know, that's kind of like a uh, you know a, a very strange. Yeah, I mean, the one, sort the one of in history. London was supposed to go on for like four months, but it was closed after one month because because of um, so not many people got to see it in London. So let's talk about the success of the one at Luring Augustine. Luring Augustine was a, is a, you know is for me a fantastic space. You know it's a a large space, and so part of the excitement of this show is that it is that it ran right. The the pandemic seems to be over, so um, it, it is also in that context for you, correct? Yeah, um, and uh, you know I had to take out one channel, and uh, I. It would have been better in a bigger space so you could get around. Because the idea was that you could see both sides of of all screens, you know, as you walk through. And so it was one big room, and the sound was um, there was two there was a uh, two the sort of the beginning part and the end part. There was only uh, two sounds ever at one time. I mean, it was, I did another. Um, similar uh, installation called MC9, which is which is a nine-channel work with sa- same principle, with all of the work I'd done with MERS mixed in with countdowns and color fields. So, um, and in that one, the sound was usually the sound that was on each screen. And that work, because Mercer's work is not dependent on the music, whereas Michael's work is totally dependent on the music. So it was a challenge figuring out what sound to use and how how I could in- include other things without sound. So the basic, the learning, the a prune twin was really um, 
um, well, it was it was basically based around sound. I took. Let's talk about that. Bad. Yeah. What do you mean by based around sound? So sound was was primary. Is that what you mean? The primary well, source. Well, no, I mean, so I basically the the principle of the piece was a remix of two films I'd made in the eighties with Michael Clark. Um, so I that's that was two and a half hours worth of material. And I wanted to make a 20-minute installation, and I only wanted to have two sounds at once. So I had to pick out 40 minutes of sound out of that and uh, place them in places um, where, in place in, on screens where they didn't really, I didn't want a muddy sound. I just wanted to have two sounds in the space at any one time. So it was quite challenging. And and how did it come out for you in the end? Because yeah, that is interesting. Because sound is always, I would well, think, I mean, one of the most you know, difficult I, things. I can I can only tell you, you you can tell me how it came out. Um, you know I um, you know I, I, I enjoyed it. I go I feel like I'm going from one area to another, but the idea of well, designing I mean, that so the sound doesn't doesn't become overwhelming or uh, or impossible to understand. Yeah, I would I, think is. Well, also, I wanted to represent Michael's work, you know, the, the variety of music and, and interviews and stuff that was in the, in the film. So I wanted to represent all of that. Uh, so it was really uh, felt like a, a sort of a love letter to London in the 80s. I like that. So, um, so when when you mentioned that a love letter to London in the eighties, which I which I really like the sound of, um, what was the London of the eighties that that deserves a love letter? What is the the, the love well, that I, you're when, thinking? I of? went to London when I went to London. Um, I went to London, uh, and I proposed this, developed a piece with Michael Clark, who was unknown then, and. Um, I went to Channel 4 and said, I want to make a piece with, with Michael Clark. And um, I said, um, he's a world-class dancer. And, um, and in the meantime, when I was developing the, uh, the piece, he got to be well-known. So we, and, but we kind of made it up as we went along. Uh, we made it seem like he had a company. It was a fi- kind of a, a fiction with the documentary feel. But there's something romantic about that in a, in a sense, right? Also, I mean, when we're talking about a time, a period, a well, collaboration. I, I found, I, when I came to London, I found a scene that was um, really different from New York. It was, uh, there, there was no... It was, it was uh, sort of innocent, an innocent underground scene at that time. I would say, and and I was, um, I met all these people, and I I thought it was a fantastic visual um, presentation, and people dressed dressed up, and and it was a it was really a unique scene. And 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 that's a, an interesting scene to kind of reflect on now. Do you, do you see any any uh, recurrent influences coming from then? That was such a pivotal time in, in history for so many artists. Uh, the eighties in London, the eighties in, in New York as well. Um, uh, do you feel like uh, the, I mean, the, 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 the? I mean, the thing that I find with 
with the microclock pieces is they age very well. I mean, they don't. They still seem relevant, no matter how, what. I mean, all all these years since. I mean, it's been thirty years since I made them. Um, more than thirty years. I made eighty six to to twenty twenty three. So it's like forty years practically. And it still and, and seems. Uh, it still seems. It doesn't seem um, stale. Absolutely, and um, I, I I agree. It was it's a fantastic show to see, and and I, I feel like before we go, um, just because it's also a, a, a little bit different that the 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 installation, the mathematics of consciousness in uh, commissioned by Pioneer Works in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, you know that also. Do you feel that also relates to this particular exhibit directly? No, that, that's a that's a completely different uh, head head space for me. That piece I worked on for over a year, and um, and I wanted to. I'm interested in science, and I wanted science to be part of it. So that's one of the reasons I worked with Pioneer Work because they have a science department, and so part of it was about. I mean, it was about mathematics and consciousness and, and the architecture of the space. It was a, the projection was on a 100-foot-wide wall by, like, 20 foot, more than 20 feet high. But um, anyway, it was and with, had 26 windows in it. So it more related to my site-specific installations that I've been doing lately. Um, and yeah, and science. So it was really, a, and it related to consciousness and memory, and um, it was a whole, you know, really a different experience. Right, right. It's a whole different kind of way of of, uh, of looking at work, I mean, more, and, and you're saying a whole different I, subject. I, I don't think I I couldn't make any work like like uh, Prune Twin now. I mean, if I I mean for the original material, it's just not. Well, I'm where I'm at, and where you're at now is 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 building on um, installations like the mathematics of consciousness. Well, I'm hoping in a couple of years to do. A, I'm working on a retrospective, so um, that's all my attention is on on my archive now. Well, Charles, it's great talking to you about this. I, I want to ask you one more question before we go, which is really off topic, but I'm always curious what everybody's reading. What are you reading at the moment, if I can ask? Well, I'm not. I'm sort of in the middle of, and it's kind of tough going. It's called Being You by Anil Seth, and it's about consciousness. <laughs> During my show at Pioneer Works, we had two, we hosted two, uh, discussions, one about mathematics and one about consciousness. And, and Neil Seth came and uh, talked about consciousness for the one about consciousness. So I met him in person and then I bought, got his book. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you uh, for talking with me today, Charles. And, and, and of course, your, you know, um, your remarkable work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.